0: It's our business.
1: It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the
0: Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore. And you know, one of the most fascinating aspects of Star Trek are the patterns and plot elements across all the episodes, movies, and franchises. And, you know, we we like to delve into that a lot here on Standard Orbit. So today, Ken and I, in our never-ending quest to explore new elephant, new elephants, no, not elephants, (laughs) elements from a legacy show, explore the adventures that employ shuttlecraft.
1: Yeah, you know, I was thinking this, uh, being a person that travels a lot, especially air travel as superman noted it is the safest way to fly statistically speaking of course <laughs> i would have to say that flights in a federation shuttlecraft is probably the riskiest thing you can do in the 23rd and 24th centuries
0: yeah if you if you don't get kidnapped by romulans like on a on your way to a conference or something <laughs> right right you're, it's probably going to break down you know, is is what we is what we determined here, and uh, so you know we're just going to talk about all the uh, all the shuttle crafts that are uh, put in use in the original series. You know, and uh, when crew members are put in danger, things of that nature. Uh, and you know, one of the first things I want to establish off the top here is, Ken, um, uh, from your understanding, do you think the original series shuttle crafts had warp drive? I did,
1: and I think. It was something that I I thought back towards, right? So in the earlier episodes, I don't think I was paying that close attention. But as time went on, I think they had to have it. And I always considered those little nacelles that they had on the port and starboard sides were were warp engines, mini warp engines. So, yeah, I thought they did.
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't think they did. I thought it was one of those evolutionary things. Like next gen, right, the shuttlecraft had transporters. You know, which which I think from a storytelling technique opened a whole new can of worms, right? Because once, oh, sir, the transporters are down, right? Well, just use all the transports in the shuttles. <laughs> you know, it's its own independent thing. So I think it was smart how Two didn't have that. And I guess I always I always looked at the uh, the Nacelle caps being white, you know, uh, and not red, like the the Buzzard collectors as they went on to be called. I thought that was an indicator that they weren't they didn't have warp drive. But I guess if you look at some of these episodes, as we'll get into it here, uh, they, they must have had to. Like to to travel the distances they did and and get as far as they did. That's one of the great as we love to talk about the inconsistency of Star Trek right there. Because uh, some episodes really does seem like they just have thrusters or impulse, and others they're just trying to chase the Enterprise. So, which uh, which is in our first episode here, we'll talk about the menagerie. We have uh, Kirk and. Who, what we were led to believe at the time, is Commander Mendez chasing after the Enterprise. Uh, And uh, a big deal is made that they're going to run out of power. They're going to run out of life support. Uh, Spock does not want to turn around because he's on a mission to Talos 4 to take Captain Pike there. And he knows that if, you know, Kirk catches up with him, he's going to be in trouble. (laughs) So he's trying to ignore him. But the very fact that uh, they're put into danger is why Spock stops the ship, turns around, and we get the episode that we do. So, um,. And we brought this up in our last episode, interestingly enough, talking about you know court martials and trials and whatnot. But uh, you know, Kirk Kirk makes a note about the life support in there. I guess maybe he didn't realize that there was only one person in that shuttlecraft and not two. <laughs> that's its own conversation. Well, that's not that's not a probably. <laughs> <laughs> so you do wonder, like that that shuttle is a it's like a ten seater. You know, it's like a <laughs> it's a giant shuttlecraft, and there's two guys in it, and they're really going to run out of life support just because they're pushing the engines, giving it all she's got to catch up with the Enterprise, I guess. So That that is one, um, I don't know if it's a design flaw. It's just because the shuttlecraft, I mean, it's a shuttle. Like you take a shuttle bus somewhere, you take a shuttle van somewhere, it's, a, it's supposed to be short-term form of transportation. Clearly they're not designed to chase after, you know, the top-of-the-line starship. So I understand why their energy reserves would be encased there. But that is just a case of someone being in a shuttlecraft and therefore being in danger. And that's, that's a trope that we'll find across Star Trek.
1: Yes, we will. And I think that it launches well with this episode. And, and it starts all the questions, right, in terms of what you're talking about. Does it have warp drive? How does energy get captured? What is it using
0: for fuel? We don't really know, do we? Um, it's never. Hmm. We... Where is the where is the warp drive engine? <laughs> like underneath, like, you know, the, the episodes where Scotty's like underneath the shuttle firing a phaser down there, whatever that whatever that does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it's it was underneath the floor.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is interesting because the capabilities of the shuttle, based on you know how it's designed and all that other stuff. You're right. It, you know, it, it it as soon as you said it's like a bus, uh, I said you know that's that's a great a great way of looking at it because it's got a lot of seats um it's it's not very it's not, it's not designed for comfort or or at all and you know it's it's to get from a to b in a short period of time but it, it doesn't have you know um and, and and even though it's designed to land on planets and travel through atmosphere and it may hit something called oh turbulence it, it they, they don't have seat belts either and you know you've 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 seen it right you've been up close and personal because the uh the Galileo Seven slash Copernicus slash whatever the other names that they've used uh, is is sitting in Houston, Texas, right? So obviously NASA captured it and it's been around the sun at one point,
0: which means it must have warp drive. If it went <laughs> right around the sun to the time warp, right? So
1: yeah. So what you need to do is to you know steal a shuttle, which in Star Trek is very easy. Now NASA might have better security protocols. I don't know. But it does seem like it is very, relatively easy to steal a shuttle. Take
0: that thing for a ride and let us know what it can do. You know, it, if Star Trek is taught me one thing, it is extremely easy to steal a shuttle craft. That's right. <laughs> because this is a trope. We'll see, uh, you know, we see it in the Doomsday Machine. We see it in the Way to Eden and uh, the original series anyway. So do you want
1: to, so, I, mean, I, I mean, you're only, what, 20 minutes from there, half an hour? <laughs> if you want, we can pause the show and, and from right here, and then you can come back and let us know what that shuttle could do. Just don't you know, get so, caught. And if you don't come back, I know you got caught.
0: Ken, am I, am I to understand you believe this is an operational shuttlecraft? Well,
1: I've seen it fly. Haven't you?
0: Okay. We, we're going to have to talk after the podcast, but that's okay. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of things. We, we have much to discuss. <laughs> I don't know. I,
1: I don't know if I want to talk after the
0: podcast. I, I think it's bad news, and I don't handle bad news well. All right, well, we'll listeners, uh, just, I'll handle this with Ken. Just carry on, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get him back on track come, come next week's show. But, uh, there we go. <laughs> <anyway. come. laughs> but, no, that is a trope across Star Trek stealing shuttlecraft. I mean, I feel like in, like, next gen, like, it happened all the time. Like, Warfare would be like, sir, there's a unauthorized launch from the shuttle bay. It's like, well, can we close? Oh, oh, they're gone. It's like, <laughs> can we have a more advanced warning system than, oh, look, the shuttle just left? Like, there should be, like, because the equivalent would be, can, you know, from from your from your worldview, I'm sure you can talk to this. Stealing like a plane, like a fighter jet off an aircraft carrier. Right? I mean, that's gotta be pretty difficult, right? You gotta you gotta get past the security, you gotta get you gotta start the ship up, you gotta prep for launch, you gotta you gotta get past, you know, all the whatever barriers there are to take off because you know, you gotta go through proper clearance for this stuff, you know, and it just seems so easy. In the in the trusting twenty third and twenty fourth centuries, so people just just steal a shuttlecraft from a ship, I mean, I mean, it should be a lot more difficult. Yeah, it it should be. And I mean, you have tractor beams that can that can grab and repel
1: asteroids, but they can't catch those little bloody shuttles once they get stolen either. So it it is it is kind of funny how that all works, and and <laughs> I do I do get a kick out of it from from time to time. I mean, in in, in some cases, in some cases. Particularly in TNG, you knew you do have some clever reasons why they were able to do it, but in in other in others you're just like, uh, it's a kid, it's a kid, and he's in a shuttle.
0: How did a you... very smart kid? Uh, I, not even not, in one episode, it wasn't. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he he was what that the guy coming of age in TNG. He was the uh, second, like he got second place to in the Academy Interest Exam after Wesley. And Wesley's like freaking genius, child genius. So give the guy some credit. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, you got aliens who aren't even familiar with Starfleet technology.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they have access to anywhere on the ship, and uh, and that's hey, it's the same in TOS. You know, they they just don't have the, uh, the the types of protocols you would expect. You know, hi, I'm a I'm a super being from the past, and I would just like to read up on all the technical
0: specifications of this ship. Well, sure, here you go. Just anything you Let me want. We take right? you on a tour. You want to see the battle bridge? Sure. But. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, again, this is interesting. I I bring this up a lot in our conversations here on Standard, but production order versus broadcast order. So in production order of TOS, they made the Galileo 7 first. Uh, But in broadcast order, according to to my notes here, because I wasn't there, Ken. You were. You tell me. Uh, But I was really little. (laughs) (laughs) but uh according to my notes here uh the menagerie aired before the galileo 7 which is why we you know brought it up first uh but that's interesting just they introduced the concept of a shuttlecraft like like that like because because clearly the galileo 7 was supposed to be the showcase show for the shuttlecraft uh i mean i think that episode is why the shuttle is such a most beloved memorable prop and part of the franchise you know i mean we have christmas ornaments about it like i you know i've I've mentioned it before in the past it's like my one of my favorite christmas ornaments is the the hallmark ornament with the little spock leonard nimoy voice on it it's it's great but galileo seven right let's talk about it the title what does it refer to in your opinion i thought it i
1: thought it referred to the number of people on the shuttle that's what i thought it referred to
0: and i think it could could. Uh, but also the shuttlecraft is the galileo seven like the numbers I, I would I assume that is the seventh shuttle craft. Right? That would that would be it's in, like the registry is ncc seventeen oh one dash or slash or whatever. <laughs> Apostrophe seven. seven. By, <laughs> so <laughs> it could go either way. You know, I mean it's 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 out of the Galileo seven, like the ship, or them it's a title like the Magnificent Seven, but the Galileo seven. You know, That's so right. you could look you could look at it either way. So it's one of those those titles that you know can cut both ways. It's, it's, it's we had we had an episode talking about episode titles. I don't know what it is, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> and my my classic uh, non recall. As good as my recall is about like, Star Trek itself, my recall about Standard Orbit <laughs> is just the opposite end of that spectrum because I have no, I don't know what it was titled, I don't know what the number it was. But uh, we need to like make a make a cheat sheet for me or something. Can can you get on that in your spare time? I know I,
1: you're... I I'll, I'll get on that. What what I think we need to do is just create a Standard Orbit Wikipedia page, right? And then you can just click on it. You'll know the episodes. You'll have the descriptions, all that other stuff. We could have a great time putting that together because we have so much extra time in our lives just to sit there and poke it up. But wouldn't that be fun to go to Wikipedia and see Standard Orbit?
0: Right. And we should have a list of broadcast order and list of production order <laughs> of the episodes as well.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. We could have um, the famous, you know, the rumors of the lost tangents and what those subjects were that got cut out and disappeared into the uh, you know into the stratosphere never to be heard from again
0: that's true yeah as i loved our, our feedback on the last show uh because people were asking us about this or that and uh i was like yeah you know ken has some tangents but i cut him out and <laughs> <laughs>
1: guys some of our shows would go for like three and a half hours if we cut out yeah. some of the
0: tangents. we don't want to be here that long we don't want you to be here that long so it's, it's uh anyway but, but I'll, I'll try to i'll try to give you more uh more voice in the tangents can. I, I know I kind of monopolize those sometimes. So please tangent away, my friend. Well,
1: hey, you know, I, I did have plenty to to fill, you know, as, as you were recovering and getting things back in order. I, I got plenty of shows in there. I was able to go on plenty of tangents, so I'm fine. It's okay, you know. Yeah, the last two
0: it, months has been a kin tangent. Come on, people.
1: That's <laughs> right. Come on. It's just been, you
0: know, it's, it's trip ahoy here. Let's go. But yeah, but, but talking about the the Galileo 7, I think, um you know, it's, it's, it's very impressive. They had a full-size prop. As well as a model, so so that's that, that's very rare for TOS, you know. So to see something like that, and I think that really air, uh, added a lot of believability to it. It wasn't just like a like a like a light in the sky flying. Oh, look, the shuttlecraft! You know, we get to see it launch from the shuttle bay. We get to see it land on the planet. Uh, we get to see Scotty in the back there work. We, I was mentioning him like firing phasers down there. I don't know what he's doing, but I mean, he's he's a genius. He's a miracle worker. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And it wasn't like it wasn't so much the shuttle was a problem with the shuttle was a problem with like a planet right or the nebula or the quasar they were exploring that's right. know, they feared with their op normal operations although i, I do question the complement of this of this team this is not this is neither here nor there but it's classic tos like let's have the first officer the chief medical officer the chief engineer <laughs> and then a couple of uh, blue shirt red shirts and a yeoman uh and it's like is this really the complement of crew we need for a mapping mission you know, but uh, anyway, that, that's either here, nor there. But but they they created this way, and that's why we have so many uh, shuttlecraft stories across the franchise because you want to isolate characters, put them in a certain situation that can lead to specific drama you wouldn't otherwise get, and that's why we get Spock getting his quote unquote first command in this episode. That's right, that's right. So good episode. Um, I think I think it it
1: it it introduces us to a shuttle that we didn't know we have from another episode. And and it allows I think the um, the functionality of the ship to come full circle right because it was designed with a shuttle bay right from the very beginning there's there's no doubt about that and I think it's it's built correctly and I think you know there's a lot of attributes to the Enterprise that are just done so well that carry on very well uh, throughout the the rest of the series and and I mean all the other franchises and in 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 designing what I think is a very practical. Workable vessel you know for for the jobs that they're doing it, it's ironic right because in, in the next generation, everything got bigger except the shuttles right uh, they, they got smaller, more functional, you know like these 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 little um, smart car type shuttles you know that, that that blast between little ships and stuff to to bring you know um, highly vol- volatile um, products from one, one, one ship to another. That's oh, another data's stuff. dead Oh, yeah, that's right <laughs> boom. Anyway, so it it is, it, and I'm not I'm not saying that's wrong or right. It's it's just interesting, but I think I think the initial shuttle design, if you look at, um, just like the Enterprise itself the The attributes of the starship and the attributes of the shuttle don't change all that dramatically. They're modernized, but it's kind of the same idea uh, throughout
0: all of the series. And there's only so many ways to design a, a shuttlecraft, you know, especially a, a Federation style Even when you see other aliens have shuttlecraft, like there's, it's basically the same thing, you know. I mean, more or less. So it's a, it's a basically the Star Trek franchise design of spacecraft versus you know this race or that race or whatnot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Star Wars has a unique design, and uh, the original series Battlestar Galactica had the ugliest shuttles ever invented. They were awful. Oh, the, the Vipers, you don't like them? No, no, no. Vipers are fighters. I'm t- I said shuttles. Oh,
0: okay. All I right. don't even. I can't even remember what they. Yeah, what they look. look like.
1: You'll look it up, and you'll go. Ugh.
0: Not instantly. <laughs> I got, they're they're not refurbishing those and putting them in Space Center Houston. Okay, let's. So. <laughs> That's right. They are not. They are not. So
1: anyway, we move on. What's our next episode?
0: So the next episode really would be uh, the Doomsday Machine. Mm-hmm. That episode, of course, uh, Commodore Matt Decker steals a, steals the shuttle. Steals the shuttle. He's supposed to be in sickbay, correct? Uh, yeah, he, it's very funny. Uh, like he acts like like he's getting escorted off the bridge mm-hmm. uh, by the security guards, and he like leans over and acts like he's going to cough, and then right. he like beats up these security guards. I'm like, good for you, man! Like he's got some Kirk Fu in him too. He did uh, have
1: some damn good Kirk foo in him. <laughs>
0: But uh, he steals the shuttle, and he wants to fly it into the... Well, uh, what was his plan? Like, like obviously, he gets sucked into the doomsday machine from the tractor beam, but... Uh, I mean, it was a suicide mission, because he had failed to, like, redeem himself for getting his ship destroyed, uh, because he thought, oh, I have the Enterprise now, I'm gonna fire at point-blank range quicker, and we're gonna get this thing. Didn't work. Uh, so then at that point, he's probably, like, he's at the end of his rope, and he just decides to... To do what he can with the shuttle, as it turns out, uh, unintentionally his sacrifice ends up showing uh, Kirk and company how to defeat Doomsday Machine. Luckily, they have this other ship they can use <laughs> for uh, for that same purpose. Because you know, once it the shuttle explodes inside the ship or uh, the Doomsday Machine, excuse me, uh, they notice a power level drop and they realize, oh, if we did this exponentially larger, which we can with a ship, we can shut this thing off. And this also proves that. The shuttle has some kind of warp capability because it was something with like you know that matter antimatter
1: yeah yeah that's right i obviously it had some element of a, a power source that was disruptive and and it gave them a clue as to how they could attack this thing and it was ironic too because the shuttle that was stolen from the enterprise was the exact same size as the constellation and um at least it looked that way when it was heading into the maw of the
0: <laughs> <laughs> perspective right <laughs>
1: Poor, poor technology back then, man, oh man, they tried, they really tried, but at any rate, it was uh it, i one of my favorite episodes uh you know top top five anyway, and um it, it's it was one of those things too where there's there's a lot of parallels to a new series that we're seeing now with with Commodore decker, but at any rate, it's uh it, it was really well done and it it showed that the the shuttle once again could be a a trigger point for for either solving something or you know continuing a plot line on and i think we see more of that as as we move forward with the uh, the, upper, the other episodes that involve using a shuttle
0: mm-hmm. so we've talked about three episodes so far the first one the shuttle was run out of power it's run out of power yep <laughs> the second one uh it was it did run out of power, and it blew up. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, and then there's, there's the original Galileo we're referring to. And then uh, and this one here, uh, it gets blown up by the doomsday machine. So we're kind of 0 for 3 <laughs>
1: yeah, so on we've Shuttles had, so far. Yep, three episodes. Well, the, the shuttle survives in the Menagerie, right? They do pull it in. So it does pull it in. It does get, you know, I'm guessing it gets gassed back up or whatever. And, um, you know, Scotty probably put some... You know, um, tiger teeth on the side, maybe some flames, you know, made it a little sexier.
0: But so, right, three episodes, two down. That's how well, hey, I look at it Well, right here's the thought about the Menagerie shuttlecraft. It's from Starbase 11, right? Right. So Kirk gets to the Enterprise with it. There's Remember, there's no Commodore Mendez, so there's no reason to go back to Starbase 11 because they don't have to return anyone, right? That's right. Does the Enterprise go and return the shuttle, or do you think they just keep it? No, finders keepers, all the way. Yeah, <laughs> law is, of like, the sea. Yeah. Look, if you guys, we're not going to be a shuttle for your shuttle. Okay, so if you guys want to come get it, great. But we're we got a five year mission to go explore things, oh, seek yeah. out new life and new civilization. That's not part of our job description. Ferrying around, we will ferry around di- uh, diplomats, but not shuttlecraft. Okay? Hey, that, that's the law of the sea, law of space. All right <laughs> Now you just think about that when they when they pick up random things like it's it's got to be out of their way, you because know, they have a mission already. To, anyway. Mm -hmm. Either here nor there. Moving on to uh, the next episode that we see the shuttlecraft featured in the Metamorphosis. Now, this is the Galileo 2 because, you know, of course, the Galileo blew up in Galileo 7. It's not Galileo A. That's Galileo Roman numeral 2. I guess they figured it was uh, pretty easy to just paint a number 2 on the side (laughs) of the the shuttlecraft. Fine by me. And uh, this episode uh, has, you know, we're talking about Galileo 7. Uh, in classic 2S fashion, we have the captain, the first officer, and the chief medical officer escorting a diplomat <laughs> until they get delayed by the companion. Now, the shuttle, you know, it, it, it's forced to land on this planetoid. It's not the shuttle's fault. It's this, you know, powerful alien, the companion, that's, that's uh, caused it to, to land. So it really can't fault the Starfleet engineers here. Uh, but again, this, this episode, uh, it's to isolate these characters from the rest of the ship uh there's a lot of episodes where they put some shield up or communications get cut off but still the ship is in orbit and the people are on the planet below episodes like this Galileo 7 you you isolate certain characters and you get certain drama that can take place um outside of those normal storytelling points so uh, this an effective use of the shuttlecraft there storytelling wise
1: i think so a very effective way and you know in many ways metamorphosis which is an, another great kind of you know under the radar episode for many reasons it's it 's the star trek three in my opinion there, there's so many things that come out of this episode that is used from now on in in legacy star trek that uh, you know it, it, for for folks that haven 't seen it or haven 't seen it in a while rewatch it 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 really it opens up um a, a lot of things you know not only just with Zephyr from cochran but all kinds of you know, technology and universal translator universal yeah. translator things like that so it's it's kind of cool and and we should, I, we should I, do an origins episode on that ken that should mention it. that's a good call out man yeah we could do that and um it, it, the, the thing too with this this episode with the shuttle once again i i do like the fact that like i said you can you can utilize this as a plot device to either enhance a story um, and, and bring it in the fold because it it does allow too. This the um, as as I think as Bill Shatner said, you know the the actors that are below the line, you know they got to go find them, and so that that's that's kind of cool, right? You know you you don't have anyone on board, and that that's common, but usually they're just in orbit. <laughs> so exactly. So I I, I always like those episodes when, when even though it's very very small, um, they get to to utilize the rest of the crew a little bit and you know the fact that they they can function and they can do things without the uh the big three on board but yeah i i really liked this episode and the shuttle did what it needed to do it wasn't because the shuttle had any mechanical problems or whatnot it was just overwhelmed and uh no it was effective the shuttle lives shuttle lives okay that's
0: four episodes two dead shuttles two living shuttles right. <laughs> i'm glad you're keeping a tally there so the next episode we see it in is actually the very next episode in broadcast order, journey to Babel and this is probably the the most routine of any of the times we see a shuttle because it's they're they're shuttling diplomats up to the enterprise it's it's as simple as that they're in the hangar deck and I believe this is the first time we see the hangar deck itself uh, properly uh, we had seen as far as like uh characters and actors interacting with the shuttle bay and whatnot uh, we had seen you know the the footage of the, sh- the shuttle rotating around and launching and and all that good stuff uh, in earlier episodes. But this time, you know, we see Sarek and Amanda kind of get off the shuttle, make the long walk towards the doors as, as Spock tries to show McCoy how to do the Vulcan salute. So it's a nice a classic moment there in Star Trek. And uh, and yeah, and that's really all there is to say about the shuttle in this episode. It shows up, does its job, it's just a tool in the background, and there it is. So they don't make much fanfare about it, but there it is. And it's interesting that they, thinking about this, it's interesting that they chose to use the shuttle in this episode. I guess they had it... I guess they hadn't laying around from the last episode. Like, hey, just wheel it over to this set. We'll use it. Because uh, that, that conversation could have easily took place in, like, the transporter room, right? They're waiting for the delegation from Vulcan to beam up or something, right? And they could have been just standing there in their dress uniforms. And, you know, think, I think about the uh, TNG episode, Sarek, because I watched that not too long ago. You know, Kirk and Picard or uh, Kirk and Picard, excuse me. <laughs> Picard and Riker, they're walking to the transporter room and they're talking about Sarek and whatnot. And, you know, you could have done that here as well. So, uh, you know, no no right or wrong way about it. I like how they, they mix things up some, you know, than just the standard, let's wait here. See, if this were season three, they just would have beamed up, <laughs> basically, especially near the end of season three. So well, a couple of,
1: even though it was a short scene, there's a couple of things that you take away from that. One, the functionality of the ship, right? You know, the the cargo bay has to be pressurized, just like, you know, if you were taking on uh, another a vessel into a submarine, right? You got to, you got to, open the airlock and, and flush all the water out in this case you have to recompress the uh, the shuttle bay uh, and and i think that that's kind of cool um because that's how it would work in theory you know I, I understand as time goes on you have force fields that you know adapt to the shape of the shuttle when it leans when it leaves the um when it leaves the ship but it also goes back and talks about a little bit what we were talking about for it it should be really really difficult to steal a shuttle should be really difficult because you have to decompress a shuttle bay. It takes time. Um, When you look at the shuttle bay, there's windows, there's, there's a deck, even in, in Star Trek five, there's a deck that overlooks, you see it for the first time, the shuttle bay. So, you know, there is one there. So you know, obviously, you know, Schmedlap and Umpty Scratch just sleep. They, You know, there's not a lot going on in the shuttle bay, you know, because there's 79 episodes and there's about six or seven instances where we see a shuttle, so.
0: Well, I like that. That's the attention to detail you're not going to see on other sci-fi shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the depressurization. I, I remember seeing that. It was like a big, uh at the time when I was a kid, I, re- I equated it to a big... um Temperature gauge, you know, just the way it looked. Uh, and you're not going to see that on, say, Battlestar Galactica or Space 1999, right? Uh, so, again, Star Trek uh, paving the way for uh, scientific accuracy when it comes to uh, space adventures. So, they did. They
1: did. And I thought that was pretty cool. And it's, you know,
0: it's it's realistic. So, okay. Cool. Well, Journey to Babel, we'll close on that one. Uh, you know, the next time we see a shuttle is the immunity syndrome. Ken, mm-hmm. I know this is one of your favorite episodes, so if you want to speak to the use of the shuttle in this one.
1: Yeah, you know, in in this case it's uh it's it's a it's a definitely a tool to solve a problem, to get more data, you know, to to puncture its way into a a living cell that is now infecting or could could mutate and infect the whole galaxy. And in this case, you know, it's it's Spock being the hero. Uh it has a a doomsday machine feel to it because it you know, definitely make uh, it known that this is an extraordinarily extraordinarily dangerous mission. Uh, They lose communication and then, you know, uh, Spock kind of kicks it in the side to let him know that that he's alive and uh, they're able to pull him back and save the shuttle. But, you know, to me, this was a great um, instrument. You know, you have more and more use of um, probes and things along those lines in, in future shows and and they, they have them on the enterprise but they, they don't utilize them much but in this case you know this was a a a good plot i thought overall i thought it was brilliantly it's one of the most brilliantly written star trek episodes right we 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 get to to see that uh, there are other federation ships that are manned uh by you know uh, uh, completely by the species in this case you know a vulcan ship the uss intrepid um, and they all die because they can't logically figure out what is happening to them, which in and of itself I thought was brilliant. Uh, but the the use of the shuttle in this in this case was was very well done, and I think it completed a brilliant story arc. I, I really do.
0: Yeah, and again, the shuttle being used in a creative way, you know, because we have talked about a lot of shuttle episodes here, and they're not all the same thing; they're all very different. So I give them credit for for finding creative ways to use the shuttle throughout the show. Uh, and this one survives as well. So we got, what do we at now? What's what's our tally here on the shuttle? Uh-oh,
1: I've lost count. I mean, we got to go back here, right? So we got <laughs> we got the Menagerie, we got the Galileo 7, we got the Doomsday Machine, we've got Metamorphosis. I'm not going to count uh, Journey to Babel in this. So I guess we've got six episodes. Uh, still only two shuttlecrafts that have been destroyed. Not bad.
0: So the, the you know, uh, talking about, people stealing shuttles and whatnot, the really last time we see a shuttle, I mean, we see one and Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, but it's not the Enterprise's shuttle. You know, uh, Loci steals one from the Starbase and uh, kind of stumbles out of it because, uh, well, you know, low, low on power, right? So <laughs> so low on life support. Uh, again, this this kind of goes to show that it does have warp drive because they found it out in open space and it had been stolen a couple weeks ago or something. So uh, something like that. Uh, but but and again, to our conversation, I bet they just keep that shuttle. They don't go back all the way to Starbase Four or whatever just to return the shuttle. Uh, There's now. Like, do, do you think they repaint it and like rename it too? Like if they if they change the registry and all that, they got to re-register the title and registration <laughs> for the for the Enterprise. You've got to keep the people that work the flight deck busy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why not? Cool. Why not? So that's so that's that one. And then the last time we see uh, the shuttle again, the Galileo Two would be in the way to Eden where. Mm-hmm. Guess what? People steal a shuttle. <laughs> I can't believe they got away with it. It's incredible. Um, but uh, I, I did enjoy, though, when they took the shuttle uh, craft set to the planet set. Yeah. It yeah. Uh, just added another sense of just, I don't know, the sense of something. You know, it was something different than, like, oh, here we are in front of the Cyclorama with this plastic rock. Like, oh, but the shuttle craft is here, too. So it just makes it look more legit. And that pretty much wraps up the, the use of the shuttle craft on. The original series again you know an iconic prop i did get to see it i have seen it multiple times at the space center houston down here in houston i recommend if anybody has a chance to check it out i mean you can go up you can touch it take your picture with it i mean it's 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 a key piece of uh star trek mythology and history and so much of what the original series was was lost like the sh- the bridge set was you know uh thrown away basically and so many props and uh, I mean, little things survive, but this is like—I mean—they they did a great refurbishing job on this on this shuttle, and and, and then they really do it justice there at Space Center Houston. And um, you know, Star Trek continues the fan series—the uh, excellent fan series, I might add—has uh, used it a couple times. Uh, in uh, they used it in uh, Lolani uh, as well as uh, Ferris of the Mall. Uh, and it's the actual shuttle. I mean, they, they use the shuttle from, T- how much more legit can you get than <laughs> to use the actual shuttlecraft they used? Uh, and then they actually have another, uh, interior shot of the shuttle in uh, uh, Wind, winds of change, I believe there, uh, another episode of there. so, so they make good use of the shuttle as well. So anyway, just a iconic piece of, uh, Star Trek history that I have hanging on my Christmas tree every year <laughs> with the voice of Leonard Nimoy Spock in it. So, um, but moving on to the movies, uh, the main movie. That uses the shuttle more than any film by far is Star Trek V, Your favorite Star Trek movie, Ken. So if you want to speak to the use of the shuttle in this one,
1: <laughs> it is not my least favorite Star Trek movie. How's that? Pretty good. That's that's it's not my least favorite either. Okay, so there we go. So it's up there. It's 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 not it's not on the bottom. Uh, but you know, I thought a couple of things. One, the design of the shuttle I think is is really well done, and and the use of the shuttle is practical and needed. I think the. I guess the the approach they took so that they had to use the shuttle just didn't work because, you know, the the suspension of disbelief in order to watch a movie, there's just—and I think this is where Star Trek V struggles on two front right? It didn't have a great script. It had some great scenes, but it didn't have a great script, and— They were trying to—they worked too hard to try to take the natural comedic flow that we had in Star Trek IV and put it into Star Trek V, and it became, you know, the Star Trek Stooges. You know, it's like, come on, you know, slapsticky. With uh, the ship and the funny voices and the springs popping out, and you know, none of that is well.
0: But that plays into, and, and I agree. I think they analyzed Star Trek IV being so successful, and they said, "Oh, yeah. there's comedy in it. Let's do comedy again." It's like, no, that works in one specific set of circumstances. You can't bring that back into the you know twenty third because you, if you look at Star Trek IV, the the opening and closing acts are very serious, very straightforward, very Star Trek. You know, then there was a sense of humor, as there always was. But that the middle acts, you know, that Nick Meyer wrote in the eighties. That's that's where the comedy was. So they tried to take that comedy from the eighties and put it in the twenty third century. Didn't work. But because they had the broken down ship and no transporters, that led to the use of the shuttlecraft so much in this in this movie. And I, you know, use you, they use it so much. They use it at shore leave, you know, to pick up uh, the guys from uh, the park. They use mm-hmm. it when they go to Nimbus three, and, and they use it when they get back on the Enterprise and uh, Plan B barricade, that's and right. then they use it to go to Nimbus three. So they they really get their money's worth. They do uh, uh, the shuttle now. How much money they had to? How much money they had to spend is <laughs> another question entirely, right? Yeah, well, when they
1: couldn't use, um, you know, Lucasfilm uh, to to drive the effects, it it really hurt them, you know. And and you know, they they use a guy who who made commercials, I guess, Brand Farron, whatever his name was, to do it, and it and it just it just didn't work. And it's a shame because uh, visually, I think it would have been really cool in a Star Trek movie because you know, they they don't do a a lot with the effects, but in the movies, they always did more, and they always look pretty good. I mean, uh, from the motion pictures' brilliance, to, you know, Star Trek 2 and 3, and the space dock, and all this, it was really, really neat. Star Trek 4, they weren't, you know, special effects heavy at all, just a couple of scenes. Uh, From a space perspective, they did a lot of work with the visuals and the whales, I give them credit there, and ILM did a brilliant job and then you have star trek five and they wrote a script like i said where they they tried to they they tried to make it slapsticky and it it didn't work they are naturally funny as a as a crew anyway just with their interactions you know i I think of star trek 2 in particular and uh, you know one of the the best lines is you know jim be careful and with mccoy saying we "We will will. yeah and you know that's that's the humor that you expect on the ship is the kind of the banter that goes back and forth, not the walking into pipes and the things breaking and the chair being creaky. And, you know, And a ship that has basically nobody on it going on a rescue mission, it just doesn't work. The shuttles do, but then the effects team, you know, they, they can't capitalize on it. They can't make it. They can't make it work when when the shuttle lands, when they come back from the camping trip. I mean, it looks like TOS effects. I mean, it was just horrible um the way it plopped. The the set was gorgeous though, right? When the when the shuttle pulls in and you know you have the um the crewmen walk over with the steps to 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 welcome the team home and so that they can step down and all that stuff. So it's kind of neat, not very practical, but it's kind of neat. So it, it's it's hit or miss. The 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 shuttle design though is outstanding. The use of the shuttle is outstanding. The effects in watching them fly and all that stuff was just subpar, and that's that's really what took away from the movie.
0: Well, and this shuttle design is used for TNG, D Space Nine, Voyager, or at least a variation of it. Um, I think this is like the Type Five shuttle, and the one they use in TNG era is Type Seven. And if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone out there will correct me. But um, it, you know, it's kind of cyclical because you know uh, TNG, because we always like delve into this behind the scenes stuff here. TNG reused a lot of motion picture era sets. Uh, repurposed, and then Star Trek Five and Six repurposed a lot of TNG sets for themselves, and they both kind of shared this, you know, shuttle design. So uh, it's just start, the start, the the snake eating itself of Star Trek production, right? Uh, but but yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good design. I, a little, I'm obviously it's not as iconic as the Galileo, but yeah, there's two shuttles in Star Trek Five. There's the Galileo, which they use uh, to go down to Nimbus Three, and then crashes into the uh, <laughs> the shuttle bay there, you know. And for Sulu's first attempt, I think he did okay. Uh, And uh, then after that, there's the uh, Copernicus, I believe it is, Uh, the the second shuttle that they they go land on on Nimbus 3. Excuse me, not Nimbus 3, uh, Shakari. (laughs) And then they walk for like, you know, five miles to go find quote-unquote God. (laughs) You know, could could God have not parked the ship a little closer to where he wanted to? Because, I mean, (laughs) Spock is like, I I have no control. So God landed again little g quotation, sorry, no blasphemy here on standard orbit, but, you know, God landed the ship, and then he made them walk, like, five miles, right? Uh, you think he would to like, move things along. He's been trapped on this you know, planet for, like, an attorney. He wants to get out of there. He's going to make these guys walk, like, five miles to go find him. Um, and then, so when they fire the torpedo, now the shuttle's very far away, so it's fine, because they go hide in the shuttle afterward. But then he gets zapped with his laser beam. So I'm going to count both of these shuttles as... What do, you, what do you want to do, one and a half damage shuttles on this one? <laughs> because the one that crashes into the shuttle bay uh, gets damaged, and then this one gets, I'm going to assume it gets blown up real good by by those laser beams, I-beams. I,
1: I, yeah, it, well, at least, you know, causes a, a, a fire <laughs> on the inside of the shuttle because Kirk jumps out and shoot, shoot, but you don't actually see the shuttle go boom, which in itself would have been kind of a cool effect, I
0: think. Well, they were short on money. That's why we had no rock men. We had overhead projector blue godhead flying around shooting kirk with laser beams so you sorry <laughs> that was that was pretty good Ken. that was good uh but yeah we, we we uh stay tuned guys we might be talking about the production of star trek 5 more depth coming up here hey, why not in week in weeks ahead so uh but yeah but i, I think uh it was good to see the shuttle used so much because, you know, when you think of Star Trek, you do think of shuttlecraft because the Galileo is so iconic, and to have it play a major role in a movie is was a good was a good angle, and I think, you know, as cheesy as some of the humor was we're talking about, you have to have that excuse that the transporters don't work, because otherwise, why would you be using the shuttle? Like, there's just no logical reason to do it. Um, because if there's, like, a shield around the planet you can't beam through, you certainly can't fly a shuttle through it either. So, and there's, a, there's a very limited, like, understandable window of why you would use a shuttlecraft, and I think, you know, that that's they figured out a way to use it um all that being said could they have saved a lot of money not using the shuttle and used it in the climax of the film (laughs) you know maybe that would have been better but uh i don't know
1: yeah hard to say i think that the um the economy of scale on this would have been like i said a lot better if if ilm had this and they uh, you know i don't know how the how the budget really got away from them from a special effects. I, you know, this was a, a movie that was shot on location in a lot of different places. And, it, it, you know, it, you run up a budget like that. And, you know, Shatner was looking for an epic type film. You know, a lot of horses, a lot of this, a lot of that, built a town. You know, so it's it's hard. And then when you're when you're coming towards the end and it's like, okay, we had all these epic shots. Now we want an epic quote unquote ending and you can't afford it. Well, that's a big letdown. And I think they did the best they could Again, if they had ILM, they could have come up with effects, even if they used a floating godhead, that would have been a lot better, you know, and we didn't have CGI to the point where we have today either, and it probably would never have held up, but, you know, it's it's one of those things, Zach, where, again, you know, the movie, the intent was good, it just failed on the execution, and... You can't make you know for all the movies, all the Star Trek movies that there are. whether there are 13? I don't even know the real number. Um, you know, they they did a pretty good job. Specifically, I think with the original, the original series movies, holistically, one through six, they're all they all have they're all pretty good. Um, you know, standalone wise. You know, Star Trek five being at the bottom of that of that list, in my opinion. But you know, they 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 did a, they did a pretty good job for that kind of a string of movies. I'm trying to think, you know, were there were there six great james bond movies in a row and star wars right i mean there's a lot of arguments about their first six it's it's just hard to say um and there's a lot of opinions going both ways but it, you know in star trek five it was good premise i thought i they could have made this work the script just didn't quite hit but the use of the shuttles what we were talking about before would have been really iconic and fun if they had the money to do it right with the right company thanks indiana jones gosh Thanks, Indiana Jones. I'm just
0: ILM was working on uh, Last Crusade. Oh, is
1: that was the reason? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, Last Crusade was a good movie, though. Well, there you go. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm not bad. Well, if they said it was uh, Temple of Doom, I would have been like, What?
0: Uh Temple of Doom is underrated, man. Uh, it's overrated. Overrated? Over- mm-hmm. Okay. Do you like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull better than Temple of Doom? No. Good. Alright. Well then we can still be friends. Moving <laughs> on. <gone. laughs> I do not <laughs>
1: So, yeah, I mean, that, that's hey, pretty. Hey, much- wow, guys, guys, just so you're listening, <laughs> there's a very tough threshold to remain friendship with Zach. So, hey, <laughs> be careful out there. So, I would just caution you on your comments to the Babel conference. If you're really upset with it, just put my name on it or Zach won't respond.
0: Sir, if you think King of the Crystal Skull is better than any of the original Indiana Jones movies, we need to have a conversation. But moving on, uh, what the, what's our final tally here on these shuttlecrafts? Here, we, we said one and a half um for this one ken
1: yeah so that would mean three and a half shuttles got destroyed out of what uh out of about eight different things here so that's not okay. bad so so almost half <laughs> yeah i mean that's not a good safety record just statistically speaking here you know using using superman's words it's it's not a great track record there's been the even there's shuttles that survive but you know accidents bad things happen so
0: right right um you know i i have not been on to the journey but uh, if any of you, to the Journey hosts, are listening, I I, I would uh, like to invite myself over sometime to talk about the shuttlecraft on Voyager, because I <laughs> I have strong opinions about how many shuttlecraft that scout class ship on a short term mission actually has. Uh, because how many? Seriously, I I I couldn't count how many episodes there are where Voyager loses a shuttlecraft, and uh, for a show which was like could have really. Uh, had a fresh angle on like conservation of resources, and I you think know, because we, we've been talking all throughout Star Trek, we're always talking about like, okay, there's no money, but like the replicators and like this, you know, supply and demand, it's all very nebulous, right? Um, but on a show like Voyager, where you can't go to a star base and like refuel and refresh and get a new stock of shuttles and whatnot, um, they sure lose a lot of shuttles. I would love to talk about that with you guys sometime. So that's my open invitation to myself be onto the journey sometime uh so you know zach uh suzanne and kay let me know and i would uh love to talk some uh some voyager shuttlecraft because i have a feeling the ratio of voyager is until they get the delta flyer they seem to hold on to that for a while but uh before that it's just like shut like how many shuttles did Chicote and tuvok you know lose you know just alone just the two of them i feel like they're they are responsible for uh losing pretty much half of where your shuttle compliment so yeah
1: you know you have a very interesting way of ingratiating yourself onto somebody else's show <laughs> i'll have to say that you know like hey can i come on your show to just tear it apart and have uh, you know just show you why this is really dumb or, or whatever <laughs> interesting you know good luck with that um I'm, I'm sure they're like writing down hey when can we get this guy like note to self
0: never let this jerk on our show <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, it's all good fun guys as i uh, like we try to keep a light have a good time here on center really like, we're making fun of tos so it's all it's all equal um <laughs> hey, but, you, you know, know it, would, it would be fun to be on to the journey i haven't been on there with you guys and uh and uh, i know um Kay was on here not too long ago when I was gone, so thanks for guesting, and that was fun to hear your take on Tos. So I would love to be over there sometime when I get a chance. Well,
1: you no, know, that, that in all seriousness, man, they are kicking butt over on that show. I mean, the numbers are great. They they've got a great chemistry going. They've they've made it better than ever, so that that is good. So maybe if they do need some a little levity, if they if they want to bring to the journey to you like that Star Trek Five level, bring Zach on so we can talk about your shuttles. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the star- <laughs> oh man good good stuff so those are like the shuttlecraft proper um we see lots of travel pods and shuttles and motion picture star trek 2 star trek 4 star trek 6 uh mm-hmm. usually the same shuttle pod isn't it ken number five number five, five.
1: Right? number five yep zero five yep that they they didn't repaint it they just used well in the motion picture in star trek 2 is the exact same shot you know yeah. it just they stock just stock footage just closed you know they they did a closer view of it uh star trek four they're being escorted by some kind of little hot rod shuttle same thing in star trek six i don't know what it was but it looked kind of cool it's like the little mustang shuttle you know it's got the spoilers on it and everything um which it's nice to be escorted there's nothing wrong with that uh and then it, you know in the in the in the new timeline movies they use the shuttles quite a bit you know to get back and forth and they are also very practical uh they when you said that the um The shuttle is kind of, you know, it's it's transportation. It's a it's a space bus, so to speak. The um, the the O nine and into darkness shuttles reminded me of that. You know, even from the from the Kelvin itself to the use of you know getting aboard the Enterprise, they were very um, you know strap in with regular belt you know buckles and seatbelts is what I wanted to say. All that kind of stuff, Um, very very practical and very industrial. Uh, you know they they look worn out uh used quite a bit very uh yeah uh, very very practical,
0: yeah, that lived in future look that people talk about star Wars having a lot, Star Trek had it in the Kelvin timeline, you know when uh they did Cap- yeah. when Captain rabao goes through the shuttle and has like those plastic strips of like mm-hmm. you know i i equate it to like a freezer like at a grocery store or something you know what I'm talking about yeah. like uh, that that just had a certain um tangibility to it that I liked a lot and um yeah, the Kelvin timeline, again, talking about energy conservation, this or that. You know, when they send all the crews, you know, when they deploy the academy to go fill in these uh, positions at all these ships, uh, they, mm-hmm. they're going off on shuttlecraft, you know. And right. you think to yourself, like, why? Like, why didn't they just beam everybody up? But is there only so much energy? Is it like, Is it like? Is it, do, do you run out and then it just, the matter, antimatter replenishes itself? Like, I'm not sure what the science is. I haven't read the science of Star Trek. I know that's a book. Maybe that's in there. But mm-hmm. uh, I'd be curious to know, like, like what the – like, how much can you actually transport, you know, without running out of power? Uh, because, obviously, you know, if – you know, in the original series, there was the transporter room.
1: Mm-hmm. They call
0: it the transport room.
1: That's right.
0: TNG. I think, I think it's in uh, the Bynar's episode, uh, 11001-001. Mm-hmm. That one. Uh, I, I think they talk about how they have, like, 20 transporter rooms or something because they're you're evacuating the ship. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And so like transport room 20 or something like that. I'm like 20 transporter rooms.
1: Did they really have that many? I I think
0: they did. And you could use the cargo transporters too, right? Which are different for some reason. You could use the cargo bay. You could use the shuttlecraft transporters. There's so much you could do. But I think, you know, if if you want to beam up, let's just say, obviously the Kelvin Enterprise is twice as big as the original Enterprise. So let's say there's 800 people on it. You got to beam up more than six people at a time. (laughs) So uh, they might have more than one transporter room. I'm not sure. But uh, I think there is a certain there, there's all there will always be a place for physical a to b transportation and not just teleportation. So, yep, yep. It's uh, yeah, I, what, it?
1: what were you saying? Um, the the amount of energy and you know we we talk about truckonomics and all that other stuff and, and the cost of transporting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The um, Deep Space Nine, uh, Cisco.
0: Oh, yeah. He yeah. had to save up transporter credits so to actually beamed credits. home to New Orleans. Yep. Yeah, because
1: yep. he, he was too afraid. To, yeah, or he was just having—he was homesick uh, at the, the space shuttle. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, and, and that, that pops up in, even in the motion picture. You know, you, you, you zap over to the, um, the space station, transported to transporter room. Regular you, zero. Regular zero, right? Yep, but you can't, you can't transport from a transporter room to a ship. But the ships do it all the time. It is it, it is funny. They the the rules that get in place, and I I think the Kelvin timeline probably plays with it the most, right? You know you can you can snatch two guys that are falling from space, but they can't beam people off a, a moving garbage scow thing. It, it just you know the rules keep changing, or you can you can literally transport across the galaxy onto another planet. It it is so all over the place when it comes to what you can and cannot do on a transporter um it's fascinating but anyway um transporters are not what we're talking about today <laughs> but we should talk about that another time though <laughs> i think i think we're on to something
0: uh you know beyond just a tangent i think so yes well I'll to, i think we have a couple of feature show ideas in this episode already i have to listen back through it we, when we plan on our next month's meeting at our at our monthly meeting where we decide what we're going to talk about right because we plan these things out far in advance don't we
1: we, we do. And, you know, it's it's amazing too, because of all the funds that we get to, to do this, it's always fun. You know, Zach and I will often travel to like Bermuda, sometimes uh, uh, the southern coast of France or whatnot to have these meetings. And, and that's how we come up with these great ideas. So I'm sure, you know, all the other shows do the same thing. Yeah, we're sitting out there on the beach with a Corona, you know, maybe Corona light for yourself. Well, you know, um, these are stressful times. I mean, it's it's not coming coming up with these brilliant ideas and incredible shows week after week is not easy. So, you know, we earned it. We absolutely deserve it.
0: <laughs> well, troubles with shuttles isn't the only thing we've been talking about this week on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Warp 5. Who are the who is that musician band like that with the the Greeblies? The what <laughs> was it? Who were those wow. weird-looking neighbors that the Flintstones had? Like those monster neighbors? The please oh. wow. I forget. That that's a deep cut right there. I was about to say, dude, that's like four years old deep right there. Yeah. To the journey.
1: I kind of figured he would just be able to like. Make another mobile emitter for the doctor. <laughs> okay.
0: Wouldn't he? He'd use his nanoprobes for that. Yeah. Right,
1: put some nanoprobes on the job. They'll make the doctor a new mobile yeah, emitter. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Lickety split. Can I have my mobile emitter? Oh, yeah. He never asked, though, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. If he'd asked him, he'd just be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Primitive Culture A look at history and culture through Star Trek.
1: There is very much in Star Trek a kind of essentially moral worldview that is
0: pertaining culturally in that world in the same way as, you know, say in the Arthurian court, you have this kind of moral world.
1: You sound like you're agreeing with Dr. McCoy that this is medievalism. (laughs) Nothing wrong with medievalism.
0: (laughs) As you were talking. Good medievalism, you know. (laughs) Literary Treks. Yeah, you know, I, I... I think
1: i made what little hints i gave in previous books about who had done it and why i i I left sort of vague but there were a couple
0: of details that i had to hit because i'd seeded them in earlier novels and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the star trek universe and beyond you'll find us wherever you get your podcast if you're an apple user get the show on itunes or the apple Podcasts app be sure to hit the subscribe button that helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well.
1: If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on contact. And look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm or on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon TrekFM, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TrekFM you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on Patreon.com Slash Trek FM. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit Norman Lau, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod.
0: Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hey, you can
1: find me hanging around the Babel conference and engaging people when I, when I have the opportunity, you can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO, And we, uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get
0: it, as well, as well as our colleagues. So look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at moron Zach. That's M O O R E O N Z A C H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.